words be more than words. Give us the spirit, the courage of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. This is a strange day. And the strangeness doesn't stop with dancing out in the sleet. Uh, It doesn't stop with the branches down on Delmar and on Pershing and all through the neighborhoods. When they talked about waving branches in the streets, I'm not sure today is what Jesus had in mind. The strangeness of this day lends itself to the oddness of today's celebration. Palm Sunday holds this odd tension, this difficult tension. And today, as a way into that tension, I want to talk about the crowds in the stories we hear. We hear of two crowds today. We heard about one just a moment ago as Chester read the Palm Sunday Gospel. We'll hear about another crowd at the end of the service as Lori reads The Passion. And the Palm Sunday crowd marches with Jesus down the Mount of Olives and up into the city gates. This first crowd spreads their cloaks before him and they shout, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus' crowd is a little out of hand. They're making nonsensical political claims. And the astonishing and silly crowd marches toward the fortress of the Roman Empire, toward the legions with their bright display of military might. This crowd carries no weapons. They wave branches in the air, signs of peace, and yet they appear to proclaim a revolution. Blessed is the king. Hosanna. This crowd stays present in Scripture as Luke's Gospel goes on. Between Palm Sunday and Good Friday, in the days in Jerusalem, Jesus' crowd plays an important role. The religious and secular authorities are afraid of the crowd. As Jesus cleanses the temple, as he throws the money changers out, he isn't arrested because the authorities fear the crowd, Luke tells us. The religious authorities, the secular authorities, they're nervous about Jesus' crowd. So as Luke's gospel goes on, the authorities build their own crowd. The authorities conspire with Judas. After the Last Supper, after Jesus prays again at the foot of the Mount of Olives, Judas shows up with the new crowd, a different crowd. Judas' crowd, the authorities' crowd, they won't follow Jesus through the city gates. They'll drag the Savior, bring him bound in chains into the city, into the house of the high priest, and eventually into that Roman fortress. The crowd will follow Jesus to Pilate's house and to Herod's, all the while taunting the so-called Messiah. And Peter will tag along, and at one point, Jesus' most famous disciple will be recognized out of the crowd. Aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Peter will deny it three times. Peter loses his nerve. And so Judas' crowd, the authorities' crowd, they'll press Jesus on toward Calvary. We'll hear from the second crowd in just a few moments. Pilate, the Roman governor, begins speaking as we pick up the story. This Roman governor, Pilate, was so cruel that the Romans removed him from power. It's not in the gospel story, but in the histories of Rome. 
Pilate was so cruel that Rome removed him. And yet Pilate will turn to this second crowd and will ask them if they want him to pardon Jesus. The crowd will judge the Messiah. The crowd will shout, crucify him. This Sunday is a strange Sunday and it brings together these two crowds, vastly different in their response to Jesus. As I reread Luke's Gospel preparing for Holy Week, I found myself wondering, who made up each crowd? Besides Judas, were there others who switched sides? Were there others who had been caught up in the shouts of Hosanna, who later found themselves shouting, crucify? Religion is a funny thing. Just because we count ourselves a follower of Jesus in one moment does not guarantee we will behave like a follower of Jesus when it counts. I wish this sermon was as simple as saying, choose the correct crowd. It's not. Faith isn't that easy. Holy Week isn't that easy. Life isn't that easy. We find ourselves, all of us, at times in the wrong crowd. Our faith, at times, has found itself in the wrong crowd. On Good Friday, I will spend some time with the theologian James Cone, the scholar who probably more than anyone developed the connection between Jesus' cross and America's lynching trees. I'll spend some time there in the sermon on Good Friday. Today I mention it as a way to introduce the theme. I want to talk through a connection we find right here in Missouri. Mark Twain, one of Missouri's most beloved native sons, once reflected on a lynching here in his home state. And so Missouri has fallen, he wrote in 1901, after a crowd in Pierce City killed three of its own black residents, two of them elderly. Twain speculated, Why does a crowd of the same kind of people in Texas, Colorado, Indiana, pretend to enjoy a lynching? Why does it lift no hand or voice in response, in protest? Only because it would be unpopular to do it, I think. Each man is afraid of his neighbor's disapproval. Twain didn't think that anyone really enjoyed a lynching. The idea that a lynching was to satisfy the populace didn't mesh with his understanding of human nature. He lamented the lack of moral courage here in his home state, the lack of neighbors willing to stand up against lynching, against a murderous mob, against racial violence. Where are those with moral courage willing to speak out, to stop the crowd? Oh, Missouri, Twain laments. Moral courage, Twain's barometer, it may well measure the two crowds we encounter today. Today we hear not one, but two stories from the gospel. It's easy to get caught up in the joy, the excitement, the anticipation of Palm Sunday. To march with Jesus that day took guts. It wasn't just about the ridiculous scene of marching through the neighborhood, the trumpets blaring. It wasn't the silliness we just enacted, marching through the sleet. It wasn't just that the neighbors might see. It took courage to shout, Hosanna, blessed is the king. Within earshot of the Roman fortress, 
near Caesar's representative who had come to oversee the Passover celebrations to suppress any potential revolution. It was dangerous. It took courage to proclaim Jesus as a revolutionary leader. There's a reason the Pharisees want Jesus to quiet the crowd. Jesus' crowd had courage that first Palm Sunday. This is a Sunday with two names. Our prayer book names the day the Sunday of the Passion, colon, Palm Sunday. We read both stories. One we reenact, the other we endure. And the crowd at the Passion lacks the moral courage of the crowd at Palm Sunday. No one, not even Peter, stands up to question. And Pilate's role makes no sense Historically, As we read Luke's gospel, it doesn't make sense to have Pilate ask what he does. As I said before, Pilate was famed for his cruelty. He's one of only a few local leaders ever removed by Rome for being too cruel. Pontius Pilate, the historical Pontius Pilate, crucified Jewish leaders with abandon. Yet in the Passion story, Pilate wants to release Jesus. It's the crowd who refuse. In Luke's version of the story, the version we read today, the responsibility belongs to the whole crowd. Pilate comes to them looking for moral courage. No one stands up. No one refuses. Where are Jesus' followers? No one speaks. And Pilate goes along with the crowd. He bows to the mob mentality. I need to pause for a moment as I tell this story. It's important to face our history. We have to own up to the legacy of anti-Semitism that so often utilized the story of Jesus' crucifixion. For centuries, this story and the moment in the story with the decision of the crowd to crucify Jesus, it was used by Christians as a reason to persecute and murder their Jewish neighbors. Christians reenacted this story and then they cast their Jewish neighbors in the role of the crowd. They went along with anti-Semitism, lacked moral courage, and they, they had this faulty biblical logic. To counteract this trend, on Good Friday, when we read John's version of the story, arguably the worst version that casts the Jews as a character, we will take up the part. Not today, when we hear Luke, but on Friday when we hear John, the whole congregation will take the part of the crowd. We will all say together, away with him, crucify him. We will all say those words because we are all, all of us to blame. For every time we went along and didn't speak up and a neighbor suffered. For every time we didn't question the crowd, question the joke, question the insensitive comment. Today we are faced with two crowds. We all know how easy it is to be caught up in a crowd. As Mark Twain lamented, we are all afraid of our neighbor's disapproval. Mobs like Good, Friday crowd, Good Friday's crowd, they've been all too common, even in Missouri, even today. To be a follower of Jesus means questioning the crowd mentality. To be a follower of Jesus means making a conscious choice. To be a follower of Jesus means standing up when standing up might put your popularity and even your life on the line. To be a follower of Jesus means sometimes making the authorities nervous. 
I wish it were as simple as saying, choose the right crowd. But Palm Sunday is more complicated. Holy Week is more complicated. Life is more complicated. We will, at times, find ourselves caught up in the wrong crowd, witnessing, benefiting from, perhaps even participating in the suffering of our fellow human beings. We find ourselves caught up in the wrong crowd at times. The question is not avoiding this crowd, but what we do when we find ourselves in the midst of persecution. Will we have courage? Building courage takes practice. It helps to stand in a courageous crowd from time to time. It helps to march with Jesus. On that first Palm Sunday, the shouts of Jesus' crowd sounded thin against the walls of the city. Jesus' crowd may have been enough to make the police and the leaders nervous, but those who shouted Hosanna knew they were making a risky scene. Their branches of peace couldn't defend them from the terror of the Roman legion, from the power of the next crowd that would gather in the city. Palm Sunday is just the beginning of the story. Across this week, we will let the story develop. On Thursday, we will gather here in the church as they gathered in that upper room to pray for one last meal, to wash one another's feet, to take our place among the lowly. We will share the communion of Christ's body and blood and remember Jesus' offering of himself, offering of his life. On Friday, like Judas, like Peter, we will find ourselves caught up with the mob. We will shout, crucify. We will remember that we all miss the mark. Then we will stand powerless at the foot of the cross. Finally, on Saturday, we will gather in the dark when all seems lost. And yet a fire of hope will be kindled. The shouts of terror will be overcome by shouts of joy. We will proclaim the good news. Life is stronger than death. Love is stronger than hate. Jesus is risen. All that is to come. But even at the beginning of the story, as that crazy crowd danced Jesus into town, Jesus knew their silly courage would win in the end. When the authorities ask him to silence his crowd, he says, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Despite appearances, despite the opinion of the powerful, despite the might of injustice, despite the time the crowd gets it wrong, Jesus knows justice will win, love will win. Even when it all seems dark, stand up. Build up your courage by walking in Jesus' crowd. Though the numbers may seem against us, though the sky may be gloomy and the winds may howl, Jesus' followers will dance our way to salvation. Join in. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed are those who come in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen.